No, Jordan, fool. Now, back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. I can't wait to ask Jama Malalela, what the hell did y'all do at halftime? Um, it's interesting because a couple of players, and I think this started with Peyton Manning uh, on one of the Manning casts of a, of a Monday night game this year. I heard this, yeah. He goes, you know, one of the biggest fallacies in sports discussion the is misnomer. the idea of halftime adjustments. We all have this this thought that everybody goes in there and they jump into the lab and smoke comes out and they're like, here's all the things we're doing wrong and here's what we're going to go do right. And Peyton was like, you go in there, you you grab a snack, you you try to get part of your uniform off so that you can pee and, and, and then maybe somebody's like, you, you're okay? You feel all right? Yeah, I feel... And then you're back out on the field. Exactly. So that's not to say that there aren't adjustments but I think there's less Xing and Oing going on in there than we think. So I really wonder what got uh, what got into them. Well, also at halftime not last only night. last night, but in general. And I think we can kind of pick uh, Jama Malala's brain on that process in general. Like what happens in general? Not only last night, because last night maybe it was one of those moments where. Guru appears out of a locker room and says, We got to fight! I need you to be tough! You got to go out there and fight! Because the notion of that, you know, win it for the Gipper speech. Yeah. Honestly, if you're... and I'm, oh, I'm, no! I'm going to take Draymond Green as an example because Draymond Green is that emotional leader. And he's a guy who plays hard um, every single second of his life. Yeah. I've been critical of Draymond Green for many things. One thing that you can never criticize Draymond for, in my opinion, is effort. Trying. Yeah. Now, the, the year where they went 15-50 and 50 and he shut it down, fine. And I think he did that because he realized that he couldn't go out there and be Draymond Green with Eric Paschal and Kai Bowman and the rest of the fellas. It helps him and it helped the team. Exactly. So... If Draymond Green, like last night in the locker room, that might have been one of those times where he just looked at his teammates and said, "All y'all, we need to play some defense. Yeah, we yeah. need to stop somebody." But I mean, you want—is it that simple? Like, it's not—it's just because somebody says it. Can you go do it? You know, can you go execute? Here's what Steve Kerr said about uh, halftime adjustments last night. Uh, I think we messed up a couple coverages. We weren't in sync defensively, so the quick timeouts were just to help us get organized. And I thought our staff did a great job at halftime uh, making adjustments. We kind of cut down the game plan a little bit, simplified it in the second half, and that made a difference. But I, I have such a great staff, and we got guys who are really all over You know the adjustments that need to be made, and, and they communicated that well to the group, and everybody executed. It was, it was fun. Okay, so Malalela is clearly one of the guys he's talking about. You have a staff that's working on adjustments. I think he's kind of speaking to what we're talking about. Yes, there are adjustments, but Steve, it's almost as if he couldn't even tell you what they were. Um, he's like, yeah, we we just kind of simplified things a little bit. And So what does that mean? And oh, by the way, I think we think that one of the adjustments is y'all went in the locker room and somebody yelled at somebody. Maybe. Or maybe they're just like, so, uh, this coverage isn't working. Uh, let's try that. And then they come out, and you hit a couple shots, and it gets you going emotionally. Uncle Mo starts playing for you. Nice. And, and, Shout out the horse. Right. And then next thing you know, 
you're rolling downhill and you turn a 23 point deficit into an 18 point lead. It's insane. Right. But I really, I gosh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in, 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 at halftime in that locker room. Right, and I would close my eyes and I'll wait for Jama Malalela to uh, confirm this when he joins us later in the show. But you walk in and everybody sits down and, you know, the heads are down a little bit because you know it's a big game and you realize that Portland's not great and you're getting your ass handed to you. And Steve Kerr pulls out a picture. And it's of Damian Lillard. And he says, fellas, can you look at him, please? And they all slowly look up. And he says, can we guard him? Can we guard this guy? And let's go ahead and let the rest of these bums, and shout out Matisse Thibel and the rest of the Blazers. I love you. Love you all. But you stink. And so they went to a box and one, and they devoted themselves to stopping Dame Lillard. And you know what? Players who aren't very good started playing like the back of their basketball card, yeah. and you got stops. <laughs> they stopped themselves. You got stops. You got buckets. Cut it to 11, down to 8, back to 5. This game is tied, and what? then it never stopped. You wonder if the Rockets coaching staff got video of last night's second half and the box and one on Dame Lillard and went, Oh, that's what we should have yeah. done. Yeah. He scored 71 in his uh, in his most recent game prior to last night. So yeah, I I, I don't I don't know, but I I also noticed this. I don't know. There's a couple of and I will give credit to others. I don't like this, uh, Kyle noticed something last night. I saw another one on Matt Nahagian's Twitter feed of a video that he spotlighted, and I wonder what you think about this, Dibs. Because first, here's what Steve Kerr said: the idea of chemistry on this team came up and coming together at the right time. Here's what Kerr said. It just feels like we're coming together. Feels like there's some chemistry, some energy that's forming. We've been battling all season and and without Steph and Wiggs for so much of the season. And guys have done a great job of just keeping our heads above water. I think we can feel the finish line. We know Steph's going to be back before too long. Hopefully Wiggs, hopefully Gary. So we've got reinforcements coming. And in the meantime, these guys are doing a hell of a job. So feels like there's some grit, some toughness, and, and the guys are really coming together. It's fun to watch. Okay, so a couple things here. One thing, Kyle noticed this. Uh, do you remember toward the end of the game, uh, game still in in the balance? Kaminga got called for a touch foul, and he was really angry. Right, he was he was on the yeah, defensive. He's yeah. like kind of jumping up and down. Uh, Clay gave him a hand. He just put the hand out. That's all he did. He gave him a look and a hand, and Kaminga just wore, boop, snapped right out of it. It was like somebody just gave him a meditation. Like boom, there was just a deep breath. Right. I'm cool, we're moving on, and everything kept going the Warriors' way. And another one was after a particularly good play, because there were plenty from Jordan Poole last night. There was a spotlight video from Nahagian that that, that he threw out there of Draymond Green and Jordan Poole coming together, giving each other a look, saying, that's what I'm talking about, dap up and a full hug. And that seems so simple, but with what this team's been through, those little things, I think, are huge. Yes, in no doubt. And we haven't seen much of them this year. Also huge is you praising the boss on a day we have a show meeting, so I want to thank you in advance. You're welcome. Because, uh, you're, there's more strategy. There's some groundwork. Yeah, right. You're laying some serious yeah. groundwork yeah. right now. Trying not to be here but, for two hours. And, yeah, you know, no. Draymond and Poole have now played 62 regular season games since Draymond tried to decapitate him with a right hand. So... There's a certain amount of professionalism that goes into 
anything. You and I have never come to blows, but we have had times where we've needed to have conversations after the show to where we get right for the next day. We do that, and we move on. And Draymond and, and Jordan Poole, they both are highly competitive. They both want to win a championship, and they both know they can't do it without one another. So Draymond Green, I give him credit for this again, showing the leadership, realizing that it probably took him 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, however many games for him to get to a point where he could be the leader and to be Draymond Green again. But when you see Jordan Poole get knocked down, which, by the way, is all the time. Right. Draymond Green, if he's in the area, is the first guy over there to help him up. Listen, I, I think that what, what we've all played with this year, young versus old, contracts. Fist versus face. Big egos. Thank you. I think there's something there. I think, like, it'd be hard to, to convince me that there's not something there. I couldn't give you all the details, but the idea that there's not something there, I think there's something there. But doesn't it feel like we've sort of reached a point, and I think fourth quarter comebacks are a huge indicator of this. I'm not going to say everything is squashed and gone, but it feels for the first time to me under control. It feels manageable. And maybe it's a window into why the Warriors kept messing up in the fourth quarter so much this year because that's when things need to be really cohesive. They need to be tight. I understand that even though they beat Minnesota, I know the last minute was as wobbly as it could be. But if you take the fourth quarter as a whole, it was really, really well executed. And you play well in the fourth quarter when you have chemistry and you have cohesion. I don't think it's an accident that now they're starting to suddenly play well in the second half versus what they were doing four and five weeks ago. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, too, is Jordan Poole. And as Jordan goes, so goes this team in many ways. When he's playing like he did last night, efficient. And I know he had four turnovers, but and he was 3 of 10 from three-point range. He was attacking the basket. He played under control. And how many times last night did you watch Jordan Poole either fall over with the basketball or make a crazy, reckless, out-of-control play? I don't recall maybe any more than one instance where Jordan Poole was playing out of control. And when yep. he plays like that, and Draymond Green realizing he needs to score a little bit, and he attacked the basket. And God love Clay Thompson. If I could allow, if I could give my children, all three of them, the two in college and the one in diapers, if I could give them one gift from Clay Thompson, it would be the ability to have that level of self confidence in the face of constant failure. Because Clay Thompson in the first half, he was bad. He couldn't score. He couldn't shoot. He looked sluggish and whole, he looked completely off. Yeah, yeah. But the, just Clay in right. particular. And Clay comes out in the third quarter and it's like he has no memory. He's got no short term memory. And I wish that I had that same level of like, well, sometimes one texter could throw me off my game or one comment on YouTube. Clay Thompson's unflappable. Well, don't forget, though. I mean, he's admitted, and I love this about him. He's admitted that, for instance, this last offseason, I mean, remember the conversation we had with Matt Barnes, where Matt was like, they went to talk to him for the All the Smoke podcast. And it was like after the show, he, he found himself in Clay's living room being like, dude, you're Clay Thompson. Like giving him a pep talk. Right. Like Clay has been through the mental forests over the last couple of years just like anybody else so we know he's had his down moments because he's told us but anybody who reaches the level these guys have have reached 
Yeah, you, you, you have to be able, like, that confidence has got to be right. absolutely unflappable. One for ten in the first half yeah. for Clay Thompson. He had four turnovers, and he was a minus 21. For the game, Clay Thompson, he winds up 8 of 21, which means he went 7 of 11 after halftime. He had six turnovers, fine. He was a plus 7. He was plus 28 in the second half. And I know he was not the sole reason that they came back, but his ability to take a half that bad, 1 for 10, minus 21, four turns, and just wad it up and throw it in the garbage, that's something that I'm going to ask uh, Jama Malalela about in terms of does Clay go in there and weep into a towel? or does, uh, I mean, like, does Clay look at the stat sheet? Yeah, it's different. How does he do that? I don't know. Yeah, I would love to know what it was that got everybody going or if it's something that is less uh, strategic and more organic than we realize. Right, I'm sure there's right. some of that. Um, I also grabbed this out of last night from a couple different angles. I don't know if it's tomorrow night. I don't know if it's Friday night. I don't know if it's Sunday, which is the game I circled a couple of weeks ago is the game that I was hoping Steph would return for. Steph's about to come back. I could not be more confident in this. You always can see the clues. Um, I go back to the time that I told Steiny and Goo, like, he's ready for the playoffs. And they're like, why? I'm like, because he talked to you yesterday. Steph gets, he gives you clues based on his positivity. When he sends out, at the end of the game last night, a screenshot of Kaminga flying through the air, and he split screens it with, uh, with Kevin Hart, with his kind of palms out, because that, has, that, that looks the same as the defender's palms reaching right. for Jonathan Kaminga. He's in a playful space. And the Steve Kerr clip that we just played for you, he said reinforcements are coming. So, um, And he mentioned Steph right away. And, said, and then he Steph said, eventually, Wiggins and well, he said GP2. Hope. Yeah, hope for Wiggins, hope for GP2, which I, I guess is all you can really hope for right now as a fan is that at least they're expressing hope. I mean, if something was really going to keep Andrew Wiggins out for the year, like if it was that bad, I think that, you know, the the tone would be different. So I think, uh, yeah, we'll, I I think, that. I think we'll see Steph first, but... Maybe I, even Friday yeah, against maybe, New Orleans. Maybe. Right? I mean, maybe. and I think you're right about Steph because you watched him last night and not only on the Kaminga dunk, but during that comeback and... You know, it's DiVincenzo, and it's Looney's putbacks, and it's Draymond cutting to the rim. Every time they would cut to Steph, the facial expression he was giving off was, God, I wish I was out there. And it's that same level of, like, he's champing at the bit to be back a part of this. Yeah, so, I mean, that that, that changes everything. Um, it's another reminder, though, also. Like, it, it was fun last night to go from, like, you could see... In, based on what had happened in the Western Conference, it was like, oh my gosh, if the Warriors win this game, they're going to be out of the play-in bracket. And then they won, and I go, in three minutes, they're going to go from the six to the five. Crazy. Unless the Clippers win. Now, you go lose tomorrow and Friday, <laughs> you'll be right back in the 10 seed. Back to play Or something like that. It's going to change that quick, but... Um, the opportunity is there, man. I, I do. I am interested to see what the Suns look like tonight. But outside of that, look at these other teams. Minnesota struggling. Utah lost to the Spurs. I think at home. Was that game in Utah last night? Um, it sure was. How is that possible? 
Remember the Spurs defense? Just for a second here. Remember the Warriors scored like 146 points against them or something? In front of 100,000 people. Utah, last night, against that Spurs team, did not get to 100. Mm. How's that even possible? Against a team that pretty much doesn't want to win. Oh, they're trying hard for Victor. Right. They're trying hard for Victor. Um, And Utah had 30 at the end of one quarter. And after that... 18 point second quarter, 21 point fourth quarter. I don't even, and this is all at home. I have no idea how that's possible. But Utah is leaking. The Clippers are leaking. Dallas looks awful with Kyrie and Luka. Minnesota is middling. New Orleans is injured. LeBron is hurt. You saw Portland last night. I don't know about them getting to a three or a four or any of that stuff, but in 48 to 72 hours, my God, this feels better than it did at the beginning of the week. Without a doubt. And, you know, again, I'm going to borrow from Anthony Slater and just say Houston, Minnesota, and Portland because Houston is a bottom feeder. Minnesota is fading, and Portland's not a playoff team right now. And if you look at the road ahead, you've got the Clippers two more times. And I know the Clippers right now appear more broken than they did a week ago. You've got Memphis two more times on the road at Memphis. You have to take on Philadelphia, and you've got to take on Denver. You've got a schedule ahead that's not necessarily easy. You've got Dallas, and you've got the Lakers again. The Lakers are going to be playing desperate. Uh, The schedule, there are some cupcakes, but especially considering what this Warrior team has done on the road, you've got 11 more road games. And the way you've played on the road, 4-7 and is what I'm going to give you for your final 11 road games. So... Can you, in the other nine games at home, can you go 8-1? and one? Which would get you to 12-8, and eight, which would get you to 44-38, and 38, which would get you a playoff berth. Oh, gosh, a good one. A good one. A top six. Yeah, I think top five. Okay. I, possibly even four. I know... But I think that's where the margin is, Mark, in terms of... I mean, the, the well, road you would, slate. The way the road slate. games have gone is slate. Thank you. The way the road games have gone, four and seven would be amazing. I know that sounds ridiculous. It does. But th- th- they've won seven road games all year. They've won seven road games all year. That's crazy. It's ridiculously bad. You know who else has won seven road games this year? The Detroit Pistons? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The fighting Wisemans. Yeah. The worst teams in the league. Back to Wiseman. I mean, there the- are only. Two teams who have won fewer road games than the Golden State Warriors, and that is San Antonio and Houston. Yeah. And we talked about this before. There have been three, if not four, NBA champions who had a losing record on the road and still went on to win a championship. So this does not mean that the Warriors can't win a championship. And also but, the fact that they've won a road game in the playoffs 27 straight times. I know, but this is not a losing road record. This is a hellacious road record. Right. Seven and twenty-three. Again, as you said, this is um, the Pistons. Technically, have a worse record than the Warriors because they're seven and twenty-five. Yep. But this is the fourth worst road record in the entire NBA. The entire association NBA. Thank you. Now, I could blue sky this and tell you that that also. You means could blue sky it. I could. Hold Wait, on. Hold on. Hold on. Where's second. the breaking yeah, news sound? Let, let, let me step out of my breaking news. Mark Willard's gonna. <laughs> Thank you. Hang on. Yeah, it is a nice day today. We got three days of Gosh, blue sky coming. Isn't it? Gorgeous, isn't it? Freezing, but I actually yeah. need some uh, sun this weekend too. We're we gonna get that. No, <clears throat> no. Do you listen to weather reports Constantly. when they're four or five days out? I think they're a bunch of junk. 
Traffic and weather on the 8s, our sister station, KCBS. No. At 718, every morning, they give you the six-day, the long-range forecast. I know. So tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. I'll believe you. The day after that, I'll think about it. Sunny Once Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is going to be a little bit of a mix, but by the weekend, I know that get your umbrella ready. No. Hi, I'm Jessica Ella. Birch. Get, Ella. Your, get your umbrella ready. It's going to be a wet weekend. I Cancel know. those Little League practices now. No. No. And in fact, I was actually about to send out the note to all the families. We're practicing rain or shine on Saturday, brothers. We're going out there. We are short. Like, we have not practiced yet. We got a game in a week and a you half. We practiced yesterday, didn't we, you? Canceled. Rained yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll go to the blacktop if we have to. But uh, you bring your Nothing umbrellas. Nothing more fun than a Little League practice in the rain on a blacktop. That's right. That's right. Let's go. We're anyway, gonna... you're going to blue sky the, the Warriors 7 and 23 uh, road record. Well, it means they're one of the best home teams in the NBA. So... You're going to come in here and get wins in the playoffs. That's going to be hard. Right? Right? Well, I mean, yeah. Right? But the margin, if we can talk about margins, and I hate to be Captain uh, Rain Cloud, and by the way, the rain is coming back this weekend. I'll be at St. Vincent's in Marinwood for a rainy Saturday of CYO Slate. Weather reports four days out. I can't think of anything more useless in the world. Oh, my God. How dare you? I mean, just... That's just... Uh, Worthless. Jennifer Selig, news director at KCBS. That's Mark Willard, not the Dibber. No, I got nothing against the weather reports. I, I, You're I, crapping on Jessica no, Birch right tell now. tell me what the weather's going to be tomorrow because you think it's Jim Mora. You think you know. <laughs> But you don't know. Per Google, gentlemen, Thank a seven-day forecast can accurately predict the weather about 80% of the time. A exactly. five-day is about 90%. Ten-day or longer, yeah. 80% is better than the Warriors' is home that, record. Is that a mm-hmm. California stat or a national stat? It's Google. They know okay. everything. No, but I, what I want to know... Mountain like, View. How many times have you seen this? And this is a California thing. especially More so in Southern California than here. But if I had a nickel for... Oh, my God, it's going to rain. And then it's like... Oh, it drizzled for two minutes. Like, how many Counts. times? I mean... Well, now you are conflating two different things. No. No, you are. I'm not. The TV, I don't care if it drizzles. The TV that doesn't prevent weather anything. forecast is different than the actual weather forecast. Because TV is going to be like, coming up. It's what you do on this very show. Hey, coming up in 10 minutes. Have I got a stat for you? <laughs> it's the same that. thing. Yeah, I wish you would. It's the same thing in TV <laughs> news. They want to sensationalize it to keep you That's fine. for the next segment. I'm just saying. Your, your four-day forecast. But... It, and by the way, this goes well beyond that. They got a 10-day forecast. If a 14-day. Right. Like, what is that? What are you telling me? What are you going to tell me? What's going what's gonna to happen this weekend? What about next weekend, I Dibs? can tell you right now. Well, go ahead. I tell can me. check the Doppler. Well, I'd have happen? to bring up my radar I images. I promise but... you you're wrong. Man. <laughs> that felt a little personal. I'm going to go ahead and cut that. Cut that for that sure. Just call weird... meteorologist Mark uh, over here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Just mark the meteor. Enjoy your uh, your blacktop little league practice because it's going to be raining. No, it's, on probably, it's probably going to pour. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be snowy in your community. Yeah. Oh, you didn't. No one predicted that, by the way, did they? Like, oh, yes, they did. It was going to rain. And listen, and snow levels, by the way, this weekend yeah. down to three thousand feet. I'm Jessica Birch. They were down to Third one thousand last uh, last Seriously, week, right? Dude. dude, it was wild. Yeah. It was wild driving up and down the whole state, and I saw snow in San Jose. I'm not lying either. Yeah. It was just crazy. Okay. Uh, it's all sponsored by Bob's Discount Furniture. We got time for your calls for sure. 888-957-9570. And next, we go inside the Warriors locker room with assistant coach Jama Malalela. Joining us right here on Willard and Dibs. 
other than dibs. Take it away, Mark. No, you take it away, Steph. You uh, you get yourself healthy and uh, get back this Sunday. That's my that was that was my goal. I I, I hope for Sunday. I hope for as soon as possible. Um, I don't think tomorrow night's going to happen, but uh, but we'll see. Um, it's Willard and Dibs. We're taking your phone calls after a very inspirational. 888-957-9570. Uh, inspirational win. That's how it felt to me in the second I thought second you were going to say inspirational half. Um, because the first half... It wasn't inspirational. Well, the first half was highly flushable. You look at that first half, and if that first half was... Oh, and I don't want to get too crude, but you look at that first half, and you go, huh. Oh, I think it's flushed. Yeah. Well, let's find out how they did it. Uh, how? Warriors assistant coach Jama Malalela back on Willard and Dibs here on 95.7 The Game. Excited to have you, coach. And come on now. Give us a real answer. Come Don't on. give us the, yeah, you know, the guys. Like, what did you <laughs> do at halftime? What happened? No, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, like you say, it really was a special win. I think because when you're down like that in the NBA, finding a way to come back is really important and shows some, some pretty good character. And, and I think second half, there was definitely some changes. Obviously, Dante was really good in that box and one on Dame. Um, really sort of just took took it up another notch. I thought J.K. played really good minutes against him as well. So I think that was one big change where those two guys stepped up in a, in a coverage change. Um, and then offensively, like I think when a player is such a high-volume shooter like Dame is, getting him involved more, and I think the second half we actually put him in pick and rolls more and got him involved more in the offense where he had to actually, or we had to guard basically. Um, and I think that was a good switch for us too. So two structural changes that kind of really helped us out. Um, but I think the players, it's something simple, but the players played with more force. And that, that sometimes gets the job done in the NBA. It sure does. Uh, it's one thing to play with more force. It's another thing to play the way you guys did in the second half. But take us into a general halftime because Mark and I were talking about this. The fan fantasy is you go in the locker room, somebody punches a locker, they flip the spread, it's a big Newt Rockney speech, and let's go out there and give them hell, boys. But what happens during halftime of an average NBA game? Yeah, so realistically, during the course of the first half, um, the coaches are sort of you know evaluating what's been happening, and they're actually pulling clips. So as the game is happening, say, hey, let's get that one, let's get that one, let's get that one. And you end up usually with about 12 to 14 sort of plays from that first half that you want to look at um, as a staff and probably make some adjustments on. You pair it down to about eight of the most important ones. And then as a coaching staff, your job really in halftime is to figure out what's working, what's not working, and what are the shifts we can make within that. And that's what the coaches basically spend our, you know, 10 minutes really sort of diving into, uh, having that discussion, and then giving it to the players um, in as succinct a way as possible so they know whatever the changes are or the encouragement of like what's working well too that's a big thing in the NBA like this is working let's keep going to this um, and force the other team to make a shift um, and we show the, show the film to the players uh, they get out there and execute which is what they did yesterday uh, Coach I, I wonder this though it also feels like and I don't know if it's age I don't know if it's just because of the championship pedigree maybe it's just the way the league is this year um, what we saw in the second half last night is, is your team capable of doing that for four consecutive quarters yeah, without question. I mean, I think you just know with the players we do have, and as we start to get healthier and healthier, like, without question, we can do that. It's a matter of when we start to do it with regularity and consistency. And that's been this whole NBA season, right? You've all watched our season. It's about consistency. And when we're good, we're, we're a really, really good team. It's just we got to do it more often. So that's what we're imploring the guys to do as a staff. We're committing to it as well. So um, that's our challenge in these last 20 games or whatever we got left. JK has gone from DNP to 25 minutes a night of absolutely critical, crucial minutes. What has he done individually to go from where he was to where he is now? 
I mean, first he's doing the work. He's actually in the gym right now as we speak. Like he, you know, after a big game, he's in. He was the first player in here this morning. Um, so he puts the work in, and I think that that's what it starts with, and that's the only way that a player like you know him can can take this next step and his big jump, which he's starting to do now. Um, but his focus has been defensively. Obviously, he, he gets on the floor and he stays on the floor because of his defense. And if he's able to lock down sort of primary offensive players like Lillard, Lillard last night or Kawhi coming up, like that's going to be a big challenge for him to continue to work on, and and that's going to be his sort of bread and butter for NBA minutes and it's fun to be able to play him more right because you get some of these great highlight real offensive moments but it's the defense that's really the important part warriors assistant jama malalela is with us here on willard and dibs 95 7 the game coach you know you've worked with players like pascal siakam and uh and ananobi there in in toronto and those are guys who maybe took a minute and then then they really popped do you see some similarities with that and kaminga what what's the ceiling there yeah, I think so. And, yeah, you know, I think actually the staff talked about this the other day. Like, if you really look at all the young players in the NBA, like, very seldom does the rookie, like, really, really pop. You know, like, the, the really special ones do, obviously. But but the, but in, in general, you're looking at your sort of end of the second year, right, where J.K. is at, or third year when these big jumps really start to happen. You know, looking across the league, all, all a lot of the players really make that jump in the year three. And I think J.K.'s positioned himself really well for that. Um, the biggest thing that people don't give him credit for is he actually understands the game really well like when you go watch tape with him and understand coverages and missed assignments like he know he sees everything it's just getting reps and experience to do it and physically do it time after time so we we definitely feel like there's a really big opportunity for him to take this big gigantic leap because the athleticism he brings is unbelievable the shooting he's starting to shoot with is, is so high level he gets fouled all the time like this stuff's big time right so he's got to keep on going with it and the fact that he will dunk on simply anybody is what fans absolutely love everyone's talked about Wiseman coming in Moody, we know that Wiseman's off to Detroit and doing his thing, but Moses Moody, what does he need to improve upon to start to make that leap that we've seen Jonathan Kaminga make? Yeah, very similar. I think Moses is sort of doing it in the shadows right now. So his work is incredible. Um, and if you track a lot of his stats over the last little while, like his foul rate, like really, he's actually the top of our of, of our team in terms of not fouling. He's the top of our team in terms of closeout defense. So there's all these sort of advanced analytics where he's really tracking well and trending to be this really phenomenal player. So it's just more in the shadows because our team is it still does have a lot of depth and it's hard to get him on the floor. But he's really making good steps and good progress as he builds his confidence. And his, and his, his three-point shooting is taking a bit of a dip. But I think once that we're, we know he's a good shooter like that's just established so once that really comes back to the forefront um, and his defense sort of gets to a really good, good really good space he's another player that year three I think becomes a special year where a few more minutes a few more you know reps and opportunities and, and learning the biggest thing too with the young guys right is and Pascal and Fred were like this is learning NBA personnel you have to know how to guard these guys like it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tough job to guard Damian Lillard last night like that's hard to do and if you've only done it two times you know it's going to be more difficult if you get to your fifth seventh, eighth, ninth, fifteenth time guarding the guy and makes it way easier. So that's why, you know, these guys get better over time. Uh coach, are y'all scoreboard watching? How how much does the seed matter to you? Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, I mean, like, we're, we're, we're scoreboard watching to make sure we're going up the, up the columns and wins, right? I mean, that's, that's what matters most. Um, you're definitely checking to see what other teams are doing that are right around you. This Western Conference is wild. Like, I haven't seen anything like this in my NBA years where it's so compacted and so close. And on any given night, you can literally jump to, I think we're fifth or something now, and you can go to 11th by tomorrow. Like, it's crazy um, how close all this is. Uh, so you definitely are aware of how those other Western Conference teams are, and I think it's fun. The NBA builds it well where this, this last 20 games, we're going to play a lot of them. Right, so we get we can kind of control our own destiny and, and play the teams that we're right in the thick of it with, and that's exciting. Kevon Looney is such a fan favorite for so many reasons, but internally, from the coach's standpoint, is it 
easy to watch him play and to try to get other guys to emulate his efficiency despite being really an above-the-rim player. Yeah, Loon is, is like... He's that guy that no one really notices unless you're, you're kind of really watching the game. Like, he's not making the highlight reel. Nothing, he's doing nothing that's, like, you know, outlandish, crazy. Oh, my gosh, Loon. But he'll suddenly have, you know, like 13 rebounds every single night. You know, lead the team in the boards, do the box-out stuff, do the crackback, do all the little things that really help us to win. So he's on a tear right now. Like, uh, his level of play has really increased, right? He's, just, he's, he's such a focal point of what we do. And he and Draymond together, that pairing um, where they can sort of switch collectively and basically take care of the bigs on an opposing team is special, and, and I think we're really lucky that we have the ability to play both of those guys in, in, in both sort of four and five roles. Coach, I know that uh, they're only on the schedule one more time, but I'm fascinated by this Laker game that's coming up on Sunday because of the moves that they made, but now also the absence of LeBron James and the fact that they've beaten you guys twice in, in the last few weeks. How, how different of a task is playing the Lakers when LeBron's not there? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, that, that team really has changed. And, and the trade deadline, I think, was very good to them. We're all seeing that in terms of, you know, the role Vanderbilt's having, uh, having D'Angelo Russell. Like, th- those guys are key players. Beasley, obviously, in our game, threw too many threes for my liking. But, but the, the, the team is better, right? They're, they're now a team. They're balanced. Their roster makes sense. They can sort of positionally do the right things and guard at multiple positions and kind of have a substitution pattern that works. Um, but obviously, LeBron is, is the central cog of that. So they're best with LeBron, without question. But I think in a past, when a LeBron list Lakers was a much different night than what we're going to face. I think we're going to have a heck of a challenge on our hands. Um, you know, the way that they play now is a much better team game. So with or without LeBron, we're going to have to really make sure we lock into coverages, let me, you know, know who their key people are, you know, limit some of their main scores, but also they defend. And they defend at a pretty high level now, so we're going to have to find a way to score against them. Virtually every other team in the West added new pieces. I know you guys added Gary Payton a second, an old piece coming back again. How much do you think that your chemistry can ultimately be a bigger positive for you than maybe some of these additions to new teams. I think the Warriors are proven, like, year after year, that that continuity thing really matters. Like, like the NBA is such a flux league, right? Everyone's just jumping all over the place. And we've been pretty stable for quite a few years now, and I think Gary just fits that piece as well, right? Like, so as soon as he gets right and gets healthy, you know, like, he, he can just automatically jump into the continuity of how we play, the flow of our offense, the flow of our defense, and he's obviously proven to be a really good, productive piece for us. He fits. Warriors basketball. So I think that if you evaluate all the moves over over the trade deadline, like us getting that continuity piece is actually a really big help for us. We can't wait for him to get on the floor and start to sort of, you know, get back to the things that he does. Like his rim finishing, uh, we all know his on-ball defense. Um, but even his corner three-point shooting looks really good as well. So that, that's sort of an exciting thing for us. Coach, I'm glad you meant, uh, mentioned that word continuity. Kevin Durant is going to play for the Suns tonight. Is it turnkey? Is is it that easy, or are you guys going to whack oh, them next week? <laughs> yeah, it's it never turnkey, but but I mean, KD is really good. So, so that, sure, so, <laughs> right. You know that he he helps their team without question. But I do think you know as you get into a playoff series, and as we're getting closer to the playoffs, like understanding and and last night was this great example, right? We play we play Damian Lillard. We sort of have a more advanced game plan, and our players have to learn how to play in that game plan. Like our guys have played different strategies a lot over over the course of time and I think that's an advantage to us KD's skill is incredible but but you know a coach Monty Williams has a, a job on his hands to get him indoctrinated and locked into how the how the, how the Phoenix plays and so that'll take some time and you know obviously they're gonna be a great team and we're excited to see how they play but we can't wait to you know if we see him we'll we'll we'll, we'll uh, hope this continuity plays off for us is playing defense now such a challenge to 
to where, you know, coming in in a defensive coordinator spot or on the coaching staff where you're trying to preach this, is it almost a case of try to avoid giving up big runs as opposed to the old school ideology of let's get a stop? Yeah, I think, you know, coach does it best. Like, you know, every team in the NBA is probably going to score about 100 points every night, no matter what you do. You know, like, whatever your coverages are, whatever your defensive schemes are, you know, if you can have, you know, five Gary Paytons out there, like, they're probably still going to score 100 points. So it's, it's what do you do with those extra 20 points? And that's the difference in every NBA game. And I think that's the, the focus of a defense coordinator. That's the focus of sort of coaches looking at possessions and figuring out where are these key stops you can get within the flow of the game. Obviously, we went boxing one yesterday as sort of a strategy defensive piece. I think being good in pick-and-roll coverage, which we need to continue to do as a team, um, playing with active hands, forcing deflections and turnovers. It's the small things on defense that, that pay dividends um, because the offense is really good. I think it's the highest PPP rate, right, that people are scoring the most ever in NBA history, so people are going to score. It's about getting timely stops when you need them. Hey, Coach, as always, we love having you, man. Thank you so much for making the time for us today. Appreciate you guys. All the best. Okay, there it is. Jama Malalela uh, with us here on Willard and Dibs, and we've officially now, I think, had him three times, and I don't even blink now about saying his name. Like it doesn't even get there. It doesn't even intimidate me anymore. I think I'm five for five today, so I'm trying to like you're like I, I can, ahead. I'm like Kevon Looney. Tell, you're like I'm not going to say it. You're a like lot. I'm doing great, but I don't want to say it again. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the shots that come to me. I'm like the Kevon Looney. He was seven of eight last night. I'm just going to try to jama Malalela when I can. You did it. It's a layup. That was. I'm impressive. trying not to stay outside. I'm not trying to get over my skis here with that. I use his name on days that I know that we're going to have him. I use his name like a like a show prep, like a dough. Ray Mi Faso Lati, like I'll be driving right. in the car and I'm just like, Jama Malalela, Jama Malalela, <laughs> Jama Malalela. Like, I, yeah, I just, just get ready and I, uh, it just rolls off the tongue now. I don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, and he's a great guest. And, uh, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah and I love dude. the, uh, the candor, and he's right about the defense, and I'm glad that he said what Coach Kerr talks about because everybody's going to give up 100 every single night. The Warriors have held one opponent under 100 points, and it was San Antonio. The Warriors, though, are 23-3, and Mark, when they hold opponents under 115. So that's the number. And I know Bob Fitzgerald was talking about this on the broadcast. Bobby Fitz, 115. Can you keep them under 115? This is like the reverse Lawler's Law. Right. So now, you, yeah, instead of first to uh, to get to 100, uh, 115 is uh, is the new number. And if you right. can keep them under that, you're in good shape. You're in great shape. Yeah. And if you're the Warriors, you win. I mean, the Lakers got you 109, 103. Back uh, in February, that game right before the All-Star break, Indiana got you, and the Pelicans got you. Other than that, you're untouchable. Well, these last three games, and granted, we as we've said a few times, these were not the, the, the top teams in the NBA by any stretch. Um, but the way the Warrior defense was going this year, we've watched tons of awful teams bust 120-130 uh, on the Warriors. For their last three games, the all-wins, the totals were 101, 104, 105. So, yes, 115. Someone hadn't even gone over 105 yeah. in, uh, in, in a, a week now uh, against the Warriors. And that, I mean, how many times have we said that this year? It's the under-discussed, underrated part of the Warriors' championship runs. They have always been one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And if they're not better than they have been to this point then all of this talk is for naught. They're not yes. going anywhere in the playoffs unless they play 
more defensive halves like they did in the second half yes. last night. And they just have to be mediocre to slightly better defensively than the rest of the league to be a championship team because this offense is an unbelievable offense. And the way the league is going, and Jama Malalela said it to us, six for six so far, your boy. <laughs> seven on for five, seven. Yeah. yeah. Your boy's running hot today, but as he mentioned to us, you're going to get 100 points even if you're going up against five GP2s. So can you, in those margins, and last night, Mark, you look at the second half of that game, the Warriors committed six fouls total. Not six fouls in the opening three no, minutes of the half. They were great. Six fouls total. So can you defend without fouling? Can you rebound? Can you keep teams into the low 100s? You're going to win games. Yeah, no, I thought in the second half it was a, it was a smart defensive effort. It was concerted. It like I mean, they challenged shots. That first half, to me, there, there's different kinds of losses in the NBA. Right, and I think what you the conversation you just had with Jama with that that idea of Jama who uh, Malalela they're you. they're gonna score a hundred or even whittle it down to individuals when Dame Lillard comes to town and what did he end up with last night what did what did he score only last I think twenty five okay but but th- there's a baseline Dame Lillard when he comes to town is going to get uh, and he did you're right twenty five he's gonna get his twenty five right. Can you stop him from getting 45? So the goal is not like, oh my gosh, let's lock these guys up. You can't stop the best offensive players in the world from scoring. It's why we joked when Andre Iguodala won NBA Finals MVP, and people were like, they gave him the MVP because he held LeBron James to 35 points a game. Yeah, It's like, yeah, but if you really look at the perspective, you're not going to stop the best offensive players from scoring. You're looking to make it harder on them. You're maybe looking to slow them down for one quarter. Can you give me one quarter where instead of that player scoring eight points, they, 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 you hold them to three. And if you can do that, that can flip a game. And, and especially with a healthy warrior group, the offensive firepower that they have, I think you're right. They don't have to be great defensively. Right. They just have to be solid. They, they just have to be okay. And last night in the second half, they held Portland to 40 points in 24 minutes. Crazy. 15 of 42 from the floor. And Damian Lillard had six points. So you went boxing one, and I'm glad that Jama Malalela talked about... Well, now you're getting arrogant. I'm trying to get a little showing off a little bit. It's starting to roll off the tongue quite nicely. (laughs) But as he mentioned about halftime, and that's why I want to ask him about general halftime. You know, call the general, because they pull (laughs) clips, and then the coaches review the clips, and then they take the eight clips. And I'm sure the clips last night were... Guys, number zero, he's a good player. Can we guard him? Clip number two, hey, guys, Damian Lillard, he had 71 the other night. Did, did you guys see the highlights yeah. of that game? Well, but it's not And even, they shut him down they in did, the second which half. which was so impressive. But, I, like, you're not going to always be able to do that. So I, I, I look at it that way, but also this. How in the first half, and it seems like when the Warriors are going bad, this is a characteristic. The ball moves around for the other team, and it ends up in the hands of someone who is standing completely like in a whole corner of the court you to themselves. You can do some crazy shots wide open. Wide open. <laughs> They're standing by themselves, and then the defender who's closest will turn and look at the player and then decide, I, I, like, there's no I point. I guess I'll close out. I can't even waste the energy. <laughs> like, I'm not going to get there in time. And these guys are firing standing by themselves. And that's what Tybo looked like last night in the first half 
That's why he, I mean, he was, and it was all net. And the Blazers were just, and then all of a sudden in the second half, I honestly cannot remember one shot that wasn't challenged, at least challenged. 40-point half in today's NBA with this NBA team is insane. They scored 40 in the first quarter. 41? 41 in the first, 40 in the second two quarters yeah. after halftime. And that, yeah. that's all you need to know about. And all honestly, Mark, when you looked at the third quarter in particular, the Warriors come out and they go box and one. And basically what they were telling every other player on the floor, shoot, please, please shoot. Don't make me beg you. Portland was one of 10 from three-point range in the third quarter. One of 10. Matisse Thibel, the aforementioned Thibel, knocked down a three. They were 7 of 24 from the floor. Um, We expected an update today. And? We've got an update today. 95-7, the game, breaking news. (laughs) And this one is about the chef. There is optimism per Woj. That Golden State Warrior star Steph Curry will return sometime on next week's three-game road trip, which begins Sunday against the Lakers. The trip also includes the Warriors at Oklahoma City on Tuesday and the Grizzlies on Thursday. Curry has been out since suffering the injury back on February 4th. So there it is. We can go ahead and erase the next two games, the home games tomorrow and Friday. Steph will miss those. Um, But they're going to tiptoe their way into this road trip and not promise that he'll be back Sunday. But instead, it will be one of those three games, either Sunday in L.A., Tuesday OKC, Thursday, Memphis, which means at minimum, based on the way I'm reading this, you can definitely expect him for the Memphis Grizzlies. Where is Ja? Yeah, which scares me a little bit because Dylan Brooks, the shirtless Dylan Brooks, will be on the floor. And he he is a flagrant two waiting to happen. So in terms of having Steph come back, and I know you can't bubble wrap the chef, but that's one that that, uh, troubles me. So... According to ESPN ESPN sources, (laughs) optimism that he'll return sometime on the three-game road trip. So not exactly a definitive piece of news, but kind of what we had been talking about Uh, this whole entire time. We we both had optimism that he would return sometime on this three-game road trip. I had circled Sunday as a hope, and and I think that's still on the table. What are the, I mean, if we want to piece this apart, like it, it, this feels to me like they're saying, look, we, we expect him to kind of be ready for the trip, but we don't want to promise Sunday. The Warriors are great at this. The Warriors are great at this, which is under-promise, over-deliver when it comes to injuries. They're never going to definitively say, he's going to be back Sunday, and then, oops, yeah, we don't quite feel ready. Let's do Tuesday instead. So I think that this is the why they worded it this way. Sometime on this road trip, I think that means he's probably going to, they think, probably going to be ready Sunday. Not 100% sure yet, yeah, though. Yeah. So if not, maybe Tuesday. I would be surprised if it's not one of those two games. I think it's Tuesday. Yeah, but, but it is. Again, it and this is not according to sources. This is just my my read on it, especially because if we look at the Sunday game, that's now four days away from right now. It's a day game. so And I know that every hour maybe doesn't factor into this, but I, I think about can you, can you rest them a couple more days until OKC? Although that's a network game on Sunday. 
And I'm sure Adam Silver's calling saying, hey, can we maybe tape him up? I mean, we don't yeah. have LeBron. Sure would love to have the chef. Uh, by the way, might not have AD either. AD out tonight uh, for the uh, Los Angeles uh, Lakers. With? Um, I don't know. I think his feelings were hurt after getting yeah, dumped on last night. Yesterday. Yeah, he got, boy, that. I thought eyebrow maintenance was oh a better way to put it. Jaron Jackson. <laughs> Fouled him, by the way, on that dunk. Hit him right in the face. So triggered. Triggered. But he's so, so mad triggered. right now. So he's triggered. the refs this year. That, that stinks. So that was, one, over it, that was one of the most, oh my God, dunks check of the, the year. Elbowed him in the face. Yeah. So it's okay to hurt the Lakers. Not going to check the replay. crying. Enjoyed it too much. All right. As you just heard with Jamal Palalela, this is Warriors Wednesday, and it is brought to you by Freedman's Appliance, a trusted name since 1922. Visit freedmansappliance.com today. Also, remember, Willard and Dibs brought to you in part by Fremont Bank. Full-service banking, no compromises. The chef is starting to cook it up. Let's talk about it. More of your-